0: Colin, just you and me, just us again. Just Colin and Greg. Uh, apologies to everyone who is tuning in to like their second episode because our previous episode had our friend of the show, uh, Daeshik Kim Hawkins Jr. Great, great talk. Uh, very interesting guest. Yeah, uh, journalist, activist uh, here in Seattle. This isn't like that. This is dog shit compared to that. This is just too. <laughs> Two, like, um,
1: beaten down, sad guys in a basement.
0: We're literally in a basement. basement. Literally in a daylight basement. Um, There's, like, wood paneling and cowboy (laughs) carvings around us. Um, So, apologies. Uh, It's not going to be that good, even as good as a normal episode of the show with with all of our uh, Seattle Sucks friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does give us an opportunity, Colin. Yeah to finally, you and me, the most sort of radically ideologically political...
1: Belligerent. You
0: know, yes, ideologues. yes. Um, ideologues. yeah. Yeah, on the show, mm-hmm. um, to finally hijack the podcast altogether and finally come out, like, loud and proud.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm ready
0: if you're Yeah, ready. well, we've been grooming our audience for, what, only, you know, 11 episodes now, mm-hmm. and um, I think we're ready to finally sort of put it all together and... Um, and I, I don't know what, are we forming a new party in Seattle? Um, that,
1: that's a good question. Yeah.
0: Man. I mean, uh, you know, um, I nominate myself as the leader because, <laughs> uh, if you're, if you've been listening, you know, things Colin and I are for include, um, ultra nationalism. Uh, like, you know, America right or wrong, do or die. Mm-hmm. Lots of doing and dying, uh, involved yeah, is definite dying. plus. Yeah. Um, We've been wronged by the world many times over, uh, and that, I think, pretty much justifies the destruction of any other nation on Earth.
1: Yeah. Um, All for American imperialism. Yeah, can't get enough. I mean, really can't get enough. And, of course, for us, as we've belabored on this show, it's really about the white race. Yes, absolutely.
0: uh, Race as a concept.
1: As a concept, yes, absolutely. absolutely. A first-class concept of society. And uh, the nation, but we don't care too much about class. Yeah, yeah As no. long as you're the right race. Yes, exactly.
0: Race very important. Nation important. Class forget about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. We believe. Yeah, you've noticed by now in a strictly like hi- hierarchical authoritarianism. Uh, make America great again. What what else is there to say?
1: There's not much more. I mean, we do also love. Putting people in cages.
0: Yes, generally a sort of a law and order ethos over here. Big supporters of for-profit
1: prisons um, and
0: locking up really as many undesirables as is logistically possible.
1: True, and and I should correct myself when I said people. Really, these are subhumans we're talking about.
0: Exactly. Exactly. One of our main themes is is discussing and really exalting uh, the captains of industry mm, on this show. Yeah. One of our heroes, Jeff Bezos. Mm. We believe in industry and the state working together to make the nation in, strong and independent by whatever means necessary. Yeah. And if the billionaire class and Amazon has the solutions to make to strengthen the state in that way, then we're for them grabbing as much power as they can get their hands on.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And we should specifically also say that we're anti-socialist. Absolutely. It's
0: really Um, sort of a founding ideology of sort of our way of looking at the world.
1: Because to your point about Amazon, whatever makes the economy stronger is positive, as long as it's not the redistribution of wealth.
0: Yes, no, that is absolutely off the table. That, which explains our position on the recent head tax. We've been very consistent. Guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's fascism! Yeah! It's fascism, everybody! That's where we're at. Yeah, we've always been here. So, we're out. Um, out of the closet. We want the world to know.
1: In a way, I mean, I think that the last show we did, maybe when we mischaracterized Jordan Peterson, we pulled ourselves... To the right, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that was instrumental in us becoming fascists. yeah, or well, really I mean, embracing our our latent fascist tendencies. Yeah, yeah, it was inevitable. An- make it clear we're not fascists, but we're going to address that in a second here.
0: Yeah, welcome back to Seattle Sucks. Uh, Colin Greg, episode. I'm Greg. I'm Colin. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I just, I we can't spend too much time on this, but no. it is so cool. <laughs> it's just so, so cool. Um, yeah, well,
1: when somebody you respect so much, respects yes, you in kind, yes, it, it gives you a feeling that not many things in life...
0: So we got like, some clapback because of the last... Just Greg and Colin episode, we just took a big, like, greasy dump <laughs> all over Katie Herzog uh, from The Stranger. And I guess, I mean, help me even wrap my head around the logic of this, Colin. But, like, her piece, the main one we trashed was about, like, giving... So, not mischaracterizing uh, the ideological right wing and the sort of, the sort of fascist... Uh, yeah. right the uh, nationalist uh, misogynist um, sort of European chauvinist mm-hmm. right and giving them credit for their nuance and and then also the importance of hearing all sides and like mm-hmm. being part of a conversation yeah. and and her political analysis that, if you do attack these people unfairly or mischaracterize them, that will only drive people to the right. And then someone quoted me in a tweet to her, yes, uh, saying her like journalistic obsession with the exchange, the, of, the exchange of, ideas. of ideas doesn't mean anything to most Americans. Right. And she just called me a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah.
1: almost too good. It's kind of surreal in context.
0: Like, we're obviously just some nothing dorks on the internet to her, which, you know. So maybe in her mind, it's just we just don't warrant that consideration or that, like, self-control and, like, logic and, anal- like, uh, cold analysis and like uh, apply- that she applies to Jordan Peterson, who she would not, she refused to call out, um, and, and it was admonishing people for calling out. Um, yeah. But no, we're, but I'm a fascist. Yeah. Anyway, let's it's not even that. spend yeah, any no, more she, time it's, on it's that. Really it's really not worth
1: it. You know, it, it, yeah, it's it's really funny, though. It's unbelievably funny. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm still reeling over it.
0: It's, it's good. I mean, I, I've, I've said this so many times on the show, but I've read The Stranger for, like, 20 years, even when I didn't even live in the city. As you may have guessed by my, like, tendency to sort of pompously, glibly pontificate on this podcast, like, no. I probably had, like, a latent, lifelong fantasy of being a public intellectual. And so I think at some time I probably did, like fantasize in my youth about like someday maybe having a byline in the stranger and this is just so much better now that the stranger is basically falling apart and it's just a, like a yeah what's uh, the point even? like uh centrist rag that's more concerned about like block party and how cool it is <laughs> and how yeah. everything's everything's just awesome than anything yeah. else so well that's that's the biggest news in seattle this week <laughs> yeah. obviously yeah But, uh, Colin, you've got some other stuff to round up for us, right? So there
1: was some other goings on. This was a big week besides our Twitter feud. But um, a local rapper, Speck, came out and made a parody video of the SPD lip sync with uh, our good Mayor Durkin that spliced footage from real incidents of clashes with Seattle Police Department (laughs) with their dumb song that they were doing. So that was pretty funny if you didn't see that. Um, Speck posted that. And like I said, he's a local rapper. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at S-P-E-K-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. And uh, you probably will find that. Yeah, I
0: recommend video. checking that out. But also, even just the original video of their little parade that went yeah. around yeah. is funny enough. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Jenny at the head of a parade of cops where she belongs. <laughs> I mean, I, it's better there.
1: They're literally on segues. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so good. Well, and, and we found out uh, via this parody video that Macklemore did approve the use of his song for the SPD. Oh, I so. didn't hear that. Yeah, that was, oh, that was part of the so time cool. on
0: this. He's like, segways, The mayor? All the cops in the city marching in uniform down the street? <laughs> yeah, great. Great. Oh, at, at the head of the,
1: the top cop, who, Mayor Jenny herself. Uh, Just pouring out... The drinks of homeless people that they encounter on the way. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was one thing that happened, and that might give you a little bit of, perhaps, joy, or a little bittersweet joy. And it was also announced that the Showbox, the day after, celebrating its 79th anniversary, <laughs> would be torn down by the Omni Group, which is a Vancouver developer, uh, who purchased the property for $100 million to build 440-foot Apartment Tower that will have 442 units, ground floor retail, and best of all, 88 parking spots. Hey. Well. (laughs) Now we're talking.
0: You know, there's bound to be another
1: coffee shop in, like, ground floor, so. Most likely. That's what Seattle needs. I mean, I guess we did just lose to Cherry Street that was down over there, too. Oh, yeah. Giant thing, but. uh, Oh, I didn't know that. You
0: know, we could sit here and list, like, just Seattle changing, and I, it's like, it's so much bigger. Uh, the problems that we have related to that are so much bigger than, like, losing, like, a, a crappy, uh, but large uh, venue space. Like, you know, the loss of culture in this city is, like, something that, you know, you and know, I have talked about, but, like, mm. this is, like, a story that pe- that gets picked up and talked about when it's really, like, there are neighborhoods where people have lived for generations uh, on low incomes that yeah are, they've just been forced out of by yeah. development, by rising prices, to, yeah. to basically just disappear into the ether. Yeah. In terms of the impact of gentrification, it's pretty minimal, but of course, sure. you know, it did
1: yeah. definitely make the rounds as a story. So that's one bit of great news. And then there's some other news, more, more Mayor Durkin going on, where she threw a monkey wrench into the old streetcar. But she fucking hates that streetcar. She just loathes it. She's doing everything she can to discredit the project. But if you didn't see this, there was a story in the Times. And this story allegedly came out of the mayor's office. So this this came from the mayor. And it was that the 10 new cars that they bought...
0: So, I mean, they, you know, this is the project that had already, like, shut down, basically, Yeah, that right? she halted and, yeah, yeah, it was being... Her whole review Being reviewed.
1: So they purchased 10 new cars for this. And this is before they shut it down, presumably. Yes, I believe so, for $52 million. And this was, of course... Leading the headline here, or very leading very short to the headline. The speculation from the office was that these new cars would not fit on the tracks, and many It's a so weird thing to speculate about. Absolutely, and then to disseminate to the Seattle Times, who will probably just publish what news gave them.
0: Well, if it's damaging to any kind of public <laughs> any, infrastructure yeah, project, then... Eight. So the mayor's office came out and said, huh, we bought the, you know... Or we bought fifty million dollars worth of cars, and I'm pretty sure they they suck. They won't fit. Like, yeah, that's that, yeah that that was. How do you not know that it's a basic thing? If they street cars like train tracks come in gauges, you know? <laughs> well, that, like,
1: and that's it exactly. And that that is what was more or less debunked to the point where the Times changed its headline online because that's that's insane. Yeah, what, it, <laughs> it, the Urbanists debunked it. Many other people on Twitter I saw debunked it saying. There's a standard for the tracks. It doesn't really matter how big the cars are. They're going to fit on the tracks. And If so, they
0: ordered them for... Now, for, if they yeah. had ordered them somehow for the wrong gauge of track, if like a colossal fuck-up, also for, you know, like... But a lot of people would have to fuck... This is a bait... It's not like... it's a, Yeah, it's a stand They're a standard. This is some kind of, you know, uh, small gauge standard train. You know, yeah, and,
1: yeah, and the only concession that the people, like The Urbanist, uh, the publications and people out there uh, fighting this story, have given the mayor's office is that it is possible, it does look likely, that these new, bigger cars are too big for their garage, essentially. But, as The Urbanist pointed out, that's really easy fix. You just make it a little wider
0: i mean it tells you everything that's it's obviously they will do anything to kill this project and i can't like i mean what does anyone have any understanding of like why specifically they're just it's just basic infrastructure austerity or what like they just hate public spending on transportation and this is the project that's most vulnerable or yeah it's
1: unclear I, i you're probably right about that i'm not sure that all that many people are aware
0: of People aren't aware of it. People think of it as being kind of dumb anyway. The sort of line they tried to spread around was like, well, it doesn't go anywhere, you know? It's like, yeah. it's because it doesn't go anywhere now because yeah. the two short pieces of it are not connected. But this new part of the project would connect the First Hill streetcar to the South Lake Union streetcar, which you would be able to then take from East Lake all the way through down, South Lake Union, through downtown, up to the International District up to First Hill. Which actually sounds wonderful. Yeah, that's a a big deal. And it's, I mean, I think most of that, it's timed with the lights. It has uh, its own lane, some parts of it, you know. I mean, it's, they just fucking hate this shit. Durkin is absolutely willing, ready and willing to look like a fucking moron if it undermines... Like public infrastructure yeah. spending, yeah. or you know, sort of civic spending in general, I and mean, just look at the head tax, oh the, the repeal—they all looked fucking stupid. And from it's her so perspective, it. it's a win. Like that's how she thinks. They're like, look, government's incompetent. That's how we totally misbudgeted this project by a uh, tons. Like yeah. they'll do damage control on all everything else, but if it means like cutting spending, they're willing to like throw themselves under the bus (laughs) and look very stupid.
1: So the other big sort of crony capitalism story that uh, I think broke sort of in the middle or late this week is that the Mariners have requested that the city raise $180 million to pay for part of a $385 million improvement project to Safeco Field. Root, root, root for the
0: home team.
1: And they have said that they will only sign their 25 year term lease if the city comes up with this cash. So,
0: if you want evidence that our entire, like, economic and government system needs to change, it would be fucking professional sports and the relationships mm. they have to uh, the cities they play in. Like, for fuck's sake, man. I've actually been to Safeco pretty
1: recently, and it's a beautiful building. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, I'm
0: sure it's, you know, look, of course, you could spend money on upkeep. And I am not actually against that. Like, that's the problem is like every, yes, right now, because we don't have progressive taxation, because wealth inequality is skyrocketing, because people are on the streets, and we're thinking, and we can't pay to change that, we can't pay for public infrastructure of any kind, yeah. and we don't want it, then this does seem fucking preposterous to spend 200 million bucks on taking out the graffiti in the bathrooms (laughs) at at, uh, safeco or something yeah the relationship we have where these for-profit teams to extort this money and can have we built the fucking thing for them and then they can turn around and extort this money this relationship where we have the city has to provide this place to play the for The privilege of having this for-profit company there. It's fucked up. And I think it confuses a lot of things. At the end of the day, fucking, I'm all for paying for it. In a very different system altogether. People like baseball. People like fucking sports. It's a big part of our Mm -hmm. civic culture. Mm -hmm. I think a pretty reasonably positive and benign one. Especially, you know, if we're talking about baseball specifically and not professional sports in general. Because the NFL should just absolutely go away. If we, if we had a very different system here, a very different way of thinking about this, it would be like, oh, yeah, we're probably going to spend, like, on this big civic sort of thing, we're going to spend several million a year keeping it up and improving it forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and for the public good. Of course, in this scenario, um, the team would be publicly owned, <laughs> um, and we'd be taxing the shit out of billionaires and paying for public infrastructure, trains, and public housing, and all this stuff. That's so how fucked up our society is now that I think this is one of these issues that we get confused on about, like, yeah, it's total bullshit, these people asking for this money at a time like this, us spending it at a time like this, but only because our whole shit is fucked up.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of systemic problems in the city and in the nation at large, for sure. What's unfortunate, too, is that this initiative to raise this money was raised by Dow Constantine, Oh, it sounds like we've got a regional solution to keeping the Mariners in town. Exactly. And so he has a few other members of the King County Council on board with this plan. So the way that they want to fund this is through the motel uh, hotel tax, I believe that's what it's called, which is what is currently instituted to pay back the construction of CenturyLink Field. But Dow specifically said that he felt like the stadium Safeco Field, is such a boon to tourism that uh, it would be a really good investment because this money was set aside for tourism and housing projects so they're i mean
0: listen, that sounds reasonable to me again in a in a different in different sense di- you know yeah. it's like yeah no that makes sense if that was if that's a tax that was made to pay for stadiums for and justified by tourism and then and it's taxing tourism yeah I mean, great. But that, uh, the problem in this scenario is not that stadiums cost a lot of fucking money. It's every other fucking thing in mm-hmm. our society. Mm-hmm. Um, look, they're going to end up paying for it.
1: We'll see. I don't know. The the story I read made it sound like the county council was mostly on board with this plan. We'll know more tomorrow, Monday, when they meet. Probably. Yeah,
0: I mean. There's only
1: one outspoken dissenting voice, which was Dave Up the Grove. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last yeah, name correctly. It, yeah, it is that silly. Uh, <laughs> but he he had some good quotes along the lines of what we've been talking about. But, uh, huh.
0: Well, I don't know. I think they'll end up, you know, some compromise will be made. They'll pay for renovations that are needed, whatever. I mean.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, already some of the rhetoric is spinning this as a compromise because. The Mariners need to raise three hundred or pay three hundred eighty-five million dollars to do the improvements. They're only, they're only asking the city for one hundred eighty, so they're technically on the hook for the remainder. Yeah,
0: so we'll drive them down a little, I guess. Yeah. Probably right, yeah.
1: but whatever. Uh, since this episode is almost exclusively it seems like about money in our city, there's another story that came out this week about Amazon and their benevolence to our city. I don't know if you saw this, Greg, but Amazon has contributed or donated $1.5 million to increase some public transit capacity, specifically it sounded like bus lines, uh, which would pay for about 22 trips, which I think ended up being about 1,700 people. It sounds like the system is working, Colin.
0: Our uh, billionaire overlord has, you know, stepped up to the plate and is filling it. responsibility as our liege uh what's the problem here i guess is what i'm asking
1: i can't put it any more succinctly than david rolf did uh who's the president of the seiu and the architect of fight for 15 when he said stunning a corporation deciding which public services it approves of and funding government as if it were a charity while killing progressive tax reform casey metrobus in county Metro bus, should decline this corrupting and anti-democratic gift. We talked about this last last week. Yeah. Was so the day... day-
0: is right he said he was writing a piece basically on this subject of the political power of the billionaire class and how they can sway these initiatives they can pay for these initiatives even when they're good things like the like made possible gun reform but basically they have all this power this 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 increases that power Mm -hmm. this is what some people want them to do this is what the the defenders of like these companies are like they can solve our problems look we should look to them and it's like it's what, it's what he said there. Um, it's anti-democratic, which means very little to anyone anymore, but it's, what it is is noblesse oblige, okay? Yeah. At best, actually. Really, they're deciding to pay for this because it benefits them. They
1: It's not charity by any, yeah. any means. It's it would self-serving.
0: Just, yeah, it would cost them... They'd have to put even more money into solving it themselves, so they're basically contracting out this problem to the city or to the county i suppose yeah. that's the power they have we could have taxed that money and we could have paid for the things we need the most <laughs> in this city um and more right we could have done that democratically mm-hmm. as a society but no it, it comes down to the executives at amazon deciding and having the power and even if this like this is more money mm-hmm. particularly if you're talking about that annually right like
1: yeah and, and that's what I, I couldn't see if this was a recurring thing i think it was meant to be activated in the fall or if it's a one time huh. increase well they can they that this is the power they have this is why the, what what we said
0: about the head tax is mm-hmm. like it's not wasn't ever about the money they have the money they yeah. can stand to lose a ton of money it's about the power it's the principle of taxation is bad if you can tax them that's power you're taking away from them now, them spending the money they don't care that's not about it as long as it's done on their terms with their approval because that reflects on their power they mm-hmm. have this power over us right it, in a very real way also it makes us more and more dependent on them dependent on the charity of billionaires
1: which and that, their and their wins
0: yeah and that makes us uh, subservient to them like now it's very I mean in this city like we've just watched this city do this Amazing snap to attention. Jeff asked them to jump, and they said how high, yeah. and repealed that head tax again, willing to look like idiots
1: doing it. This only reinforces that. And to to a point you made about um, the way this would be received by a lot of people, I, as I wanted to read some of the comments, and you're right on. Everybody was using this donation as evidence of Amazon's, as I said before, their benevolence and their commitment to the city and how oh, how shama was just so wrong that amazon was so is so wonderful and all given of course i'm <laughs> i'm being a bit hyperbolic but that that was the the root of this and they did they did bring up shama
0: that's fucking ridiculous it, yeah I mean, it, but that's no we know that that's this is the american dream right is to have to be a is to just so be able to wrong. witness the success Greatness. of business uh-huh. right To witness someone winning Mm. is the new American dream, you know? (laughs) Just to be able to see, like, look, Uh they're fucking killing it (laughs) and owning me. It's like to be domed. (laughs) Like, to see, like, that's, we all just want to be domed now. And, (laughs) like, that's it. It's just feudalism. Like, we just want our feudal lord to be benevolent. We, are, we want to believe, no matter what the evidence, that we are lucky and that our, our feudal lord is benevolent and take seriously their expressions of noblesse oblige. You know, their obligation to the peasants. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, we love it, man. We love it. Very well put and also chilling. But speaking of our feudal lord... And loving to win. I'm not sure if you saw this, Greg, but the BBC put a piece out on uh, Space Spaceboy Bezos. Woo! It's back in the Last news. Me so this was uh this was two days ago. And <laughs> the uh, headline is How Jeff Bezos took Amazon to the top. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> winning! Yeah. Q eighties theme. Yeah, that's. Oh, i
0: I just pictured Jeff Bezos sliding across a oh. hardwood floor in his underwear. Actually, yeah.
1: and some take him to the top. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for this. This is yeah. Gonna be great. So I would love to Who is read this. Read this, 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 to? The BBC. this is this is Natalie Sherman, and the, it says she's a business reporter in New York. So, so maybe this libertarian is, shithead yeah. is what. Yeah, it, you know, a future Seattleite. Yeah,
0: seriously. Move way. here, you will love it. I have we
1: haven't even read your article. I already know that you would love this place. It opens with this beautiful photo of young Jeff when he still had some hair in 1997, the year Amazon became a when bulb, he
0: he bulb, was he looked like, like a company. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it looks he, he looks, looks like a baby but like an old man at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah he like, looks He's like very Jesus Benjamin Button. You know,
1: yeah, things. actually, yeah. Thumbs up. But he's standing in front of um, some very austere-looking shelves and smiling. His his impish little smile. It leads off saying, perhaps Jeff Bezos had a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he did it. He saw the future. This is already
0: fucking awesome. Dude,
1: uh, you're in for Like, a that treat. is... Lo- <sighs> you were in for a treat. No, no one ever sold a thing before. <laughs> Two decades ago. Fucking idiot. He foresaw a future when a click would conjure anything from pet food to caviar.
0: Yeah, you know who else <laughs> foresaw that future? Anyone who was interested, in, interested enough to think about it. Seriously, almost this an,
1: every science fiction writer ever. Yeah, and
0: then everyone who who invested in the internet, uh-huh. uh, in the doc, the the. Uh, hyper overvalued dot com sector Mm -hmm. uh the entire population of irrationally exuberant new york shitheads like that's not seeing the future everybody knew commerce would exist on the internet that you would be able to this is like
1: well it's it's because it's it's not new this is not actually new no it's just moving commerce to a new medium there's yeah it isn't actually new yeah it it is less like the brick and
0: mortar stores that came immediately preceded it and more like the fucking sears catalog right like it's like people have been ordering shit mail order from pictures and prices uh, on a page for a long time yeah maybe even Um, forever so just just dismiss that right now the idea that any of this was an original idea he wasn't the first person to sell anything on the internet or no. think that he could sell other things. That has nothing to do with it. There's no invention here at all. They didn't invent anything.
1: No. Malls would fade in popularity, and shops would have to offer entertainment or convenience to survive. What? That's what it says.
0: So he foresaw so Jeff
1: saw Thunderdome for brick-and-mortar retail if he could succeed. Again,
0: again that was, I mean, read... Go back and read any, like, uh, Wall Street Journal analysis in the mid-90s, going, like, this is real, it's going to, you know, this is going to take uh, market share away from brick and mortar uh, online business. Like, it's just, it's just a reality. It's so much, you, there's so much less overhead mm-hmm. that's fucking inevitable. Yeah. Again, he didn't invent shit. You're an idiot. Go
1: on. <laughs> then, he built an empire in that image. Cue John Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, Amazon Uber Alice, Amazon, which he founded in 1994, is now vying to become the world's first trillion-dollar company.
0: Oh, the race is on! Everybody's everybody's uh, down at the tracks. And it's been uh, a rough week
1: this this week for Twitter and for Facebook. Yeah. And Facebook lost a hundred billion in a day. The wow. biggest loss. Nothing lasts ever. So they, I mean, their Amazon's odds are looking real good. Having transformed from niche secondhand bookseller to global jack of all trades. That's part of the
0: mythology, and it's
1: insane. They were just
0: like, as if it was just like a mom and pop bookshop that happened to be online that just like naturally, gradually, organically expanded to selling more things is the dumb, is like obvious, like. (laughs) <laughs> bullshit propaganda mythology that's yeah. not it at all
1: and that's what he's business.
0: a fucking hedge fund guy or a um yeah, a um, investment, banker. investment yeah. banker he's an investment banker that was his whole thing was getting people rich people to, to put money into internet business and other things what he saw was that yes like a lot of he read a newspaper and saw that that internet commerce was going to be big and he sat down and thought what's a starting point on a on a store online what's the, what's the a product a product i could start with and he probably had a list of a bunch of them he's not it's not that he's like an avid reader and has yeah. cats and him and his wife just always wanted to own a bookstore but couldn't afford the <laughs> lease on main street okay uh-huh. uh he sat down and said, "What I want to sell, I want to get in on this shit that I'm putting other people's money to invest in other companies. I want to get in on this. And what's the starting point? Could be anything. He probably had a list of a hundred fucking things, and he thought down to what is the lowest overhead, lowest uh, sort of infrastructure, mm-hmm. physical thing yeah. that I can sell. Yeah. He just happened. He arrived at books. So, congratulations."
1: It's just innovation. Not the only person to, to, no. to sell books online, either. It's still not the only people. No. But Mr. Bezos, now the world's richest person, claims higher aims than just reshaping the world's retail market. And then uh, the article's interspersed with a picture of modern-day Bezos, the star child, uh, completely bald, wearing aviators in front of a rocket. That's It's one of our favorite pictures. It, it's pretty beautiful. I have it tattooed on my balls. <laughs> He privately owns the Washington Post newspaper. His aerospace firm, Blue Origin, plans to sell tickets for space travel next year. He has also hinted he will announce philanthropic plans this summer. Are you ready for that, coming Greg? Coming soon. <laughs> the big blockbuster <laughs> philanthropy. Our
0: savior. He, uh, he will announce a uh, plan to solve all our social problems
1: with I, his wealth. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that really has to be coming soon. We're running out of summer. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Wow, I wait with bated breath, Bezos. Years ago, his high school girlfriend told Wired that she had always expected him to make a fortune, tracing his drive to an early dream of exploring outer space. It wasn't about money itself. It was about what he was going to do with the money. About changing the future, she told the magazine. (laughs)
0: He was a relentless sociopath.
1: I could see it all along. Who liked science fiction. Space colonies is the next headline. (laughs) Signs of Mr. Bezos' ambitions emerged decades ago. The child of teen parents who quickly divorced. He was raised largely in Texas and Florida by his mother, Jackie, and his stepfather, Mike Bezos, an Exxon executive who had fled Cuba as a teenager after Fidel Castro came to power.
0: He displayed an... And it just sort of in one sentence, skitter over a uh, very, money. very wealthy yeah, money. executive in one of the most powerful corporations in the history of the planet Earth <laughs> and, like, sort of, like, sauce it up with, you know, he he's a, a free, refugee, uh-huh. you know?
1: Because clearly he was
0: he, he was a refugee of, of the... Redis of redistribution <laughs> of wealth. That's like so. Jeff comes from a a long line of of wealthy people uh, <laughs> fleeing
1: and fighting the redistribution of their wealth, land, and wealth. Well, wait till you hear this. He displayed an early inclination for engineering and science, dismantling his crib with a screwdriver at the age of three. That's a real
0: reach, but um, I. I this is so stupid. Who gives a shit? It, well, this is the myth If this guy had actually invented... If we were talking about Einstein, that would be a cute story, you know? Or, like, fucking uh, Thomas Edison or something. <laughs> but, like, this is just, just a thing, thing a weird kid did. Like, he. this man has invented nothing.
1: In high school graduation speech, he outlined a vision for establishing colonies in outer space. Can you ima- He must have been reviled. Dude, he... Oh, my
0: God. What a fucking
1: nerd. He used his high school graduation speech to stump for colonizing space. That is, like, that's actually hard to even imagine. I bet like, you could hear the eyes rolling. Seriously.
0: You can hear them now. I know. It's Jesus. like what, uh, John said about that dinner he spoke at about colonizing space. You could hear people like, fucking knives <laughs> on their plate. It's the same thing, dude. Like... What, he's just a fucking dork. Yeah, they're like, like ah, it's Jeff's bullshit fucking... again. Yeah, he probably like was constantly talking about that in the
1: hallways and before class too, and 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 he had no friends. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> at Princeton University, Mr. Bezos studied engineering and computer science. Later, using his skills at financial companies in New York, where he met his wife Mackenzie, now a novelist, at the hedge fund D E Shaw. At the age of 30, he quit after coming across a statistic about the rapid growth of the internet. Uh, at what year was this? Uh, well, it says at 30, so if we cared to know his age. It must have been early 90s. early 90s. Yeah,
0: so he was very rich. He came from very rich people. He was very rich and a hedge fund investment banker guy. Mm-hmm. And he, again, like I said, read Came across a statistic. He read the Wall Street Journal, a hu- thousand articles, and all over, like, the world saying the internet was going to be a big thing, and it's, like, anyone who cared to imagine it could see uh, the potential there. It's not like the internet wasn't around that. The internet existed, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. you could, there were pages. Movies had pages. Yeah, it was, this isn't, we're not talking about, like, 1983, When, like, it was some guys at, like, Stanford and MIT, like, IMing each other. Yeah. Like, dick jokes. In a
1: 2010 speech at Princeton, Mr. Bezos recalled his decision to head west and start Amazon as the less safe path. I decided I had to give it a shot. I didn't think I'd regret trying and failing. Because
0: I was set for life at that point. Because I can't I had nothing, like, I couldn't... I, I. Hey, this is not like some Horatio Alger story, like mm-hmm. rags to riches. This is riches to more riches.
1: To riches, most riches. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: riches to more riches on Wall Street to most riches in online retail. Like, so he was able to, yes, take this leap of entrepreneurship because he could not work another day in his life and him and his family would be fine. Would be still, his children
1: would still be princes among men. And I suspected I would always be haunted by a decision to not try at all, he said. Can I get that on a poster? Mr. Bezos's gamble, funded with more than $100,000 in personal and family money, quickly paid off. Within a month of Amazon's 1995 launch, it had already shipped orders to all 50 states. Oh, shipped orders? Quickly paid off? Shipped orders? No, 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 no. That's not the
0: same thing, you fucking idiot. You're supposed to be a business reporter? It did not pay off. They did not make back a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars, did it say? That's what it said. Of family, of, that's of their family and personal Personal, money. He had other investments as well. And no, it did not pay off, you idiot. They didn't, they have still not made a dime on their fucking, like, book selling. They did not pay off anything. They shipped books. They successfully took that investment money and used it. They spent money. They didn't get paid off. They spent money. They got a lot of fucking money from a lot of rich people, including themselves, and they spent it, you
1: fucking fool. Well, as people who don't have a lot of money to spend, there's some allure to that, right? Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, no doubt. In Amazon's first five years... Customer accounts jumped from one hundred eighty thousand to seventeen million. Sales skyrocketed from five hundred eleven thousand to more than one point six billion. The stats, numbers, yeah, yeah. This is the wonkery of, of like, of this Cinderella story. Look, they
0: they did a good job. They
1: or they got very lucky. Uh, Wait, what were the years that it said? Well. So she says, first five years. So then she said 95 okay. launch. So I, I guess maybe this would so, be as of 2000. Right. So
0: they, they, they grew. Um, keeping in mind, this is a time, the late 90s, when the internet was exploding, when tons of companies mm-hmm. were growing like that with yeah. user usership, and were raising a ton of money. Yeah. That level of that like level of growth comes from this being this brand new thing that in the late '90s everyone in America and a lot of the world finally adopted. You know, so it was brand new to people then. It had been around for a long time, but people adopted it in the late '90s and yeah. started using it. Yeah, and it's like tons of sites had users. Okay, mm-hmm. notice she doesn't say anything about like their profit margin. No, so or or how much money they. Got an investment capital just continually every year. Just also, it, she goes up to, mm-hmm. up to just up to two thousand, and we're you know this is the this is when the whole fucking the, the irrational exuberance in this center in this um, sector yeah. caused the entire economy to collapse, right? Uh, in a minor way, yeah. And all these companies to lose a shitload of well, to lose their investment
1: capital essentially, right? And we're going to find out maybe that Amazon didn't. Well, she goes on to say, Big name investors flocked to the company amid the first wave of dot-com enthusiasm. It went public in '97, raising $54 million and turning Mr. Bezos, who once helped to box up the book orders, that is their favorite little story. That I, I, anytime he speaks, he, he has he to mention tape. that. Into one of the world's richest men before the age of 35. In 1999, Time Magazine named him one of its youngest ever People of the Year, dubbing him of cyber commerce. Known for being an exacting boss, Mr. Bezos has guided Amazon with what he describes as a long-term strategy and heads-down focus on the customer. In practice, that has meant the firm is willing to spend money to make money, foregoing annual profit for 10 out of 23 years as it cut prices, offered free shipping, and spent years developing new devices like its Kindle e-reader. Well, how do you do that? How do you literally spend
0: more than you bring in? for 10 years. The way you do that is, you get investment capital that is convinced that this plan will work. It's taking that risk. And this is how he survives, this is how, where he comes from, and how he survives the dot-com crash. All that investment that they were, these big-name investors, like like it says, like so many companies were getting investment money. So many companies mm-hmm. were racking up, quote, users. This is everybody. The difference being, a lot of those companies were like, real entrepreneur stories of, like, it's either small, like, you know, computer programmers or um, or other people who hired programmers to, like, for businesses they were passionate about or, like, and all these other stories, the difference is, this the thing that separates him and why they all have their funding pulled is that they don't have, as their CEO and founder, a well-loved and connected hedge fund guy. Mm-hmm. That's his genius, that's his achievement is being is being able to go into at that time to rooms of these people going no you you can stick with me i I'm one of you, I get it. this is what we're going to lose money so that we can put other sectors out of business and take them over in the long run, yeah, because what she's describing
1: is loss leading, yeah. But Amazon also hasn't hesist- hesitated to save where it could, making headquarters employees pay for parking, battling with suppliers, opposing efforts to organize labor unions at its warehouses, for parking. and avoiding taxes as much as possible. God knows. The firm experienced some failures, like early investments in sites like Pets.com that later lost money. But today, even those look like a sign of its relentless competitive spirit and willingness to experiment.
0: It's so banal, but like, yeah, they they won. So now you look <laughs> yeah. back and look; every little thing is a sign of them uh, winning right. on the way.
1: Right. Last year, it purchased upmarket grocer Whole Foods. This year, it announced the takeover of an online pharmacy. Executives say they are scouting for other deals.
0: They invented the concept of uh, of, mon- of monopolizing <laughs> yeah. of 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 uh, capturing market share. It's like, they're just, they're just, that's another thing that I guess, we, maybe we haven't even talked about in this aspect, is like, in this aspect, is like, they're a company that has grown up and been successful in an environment that was, in a regulatory environment that was different from, you know, previous generations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no been no antitrust enforcement for decades, there has never really been any regulatory oversight of commerce on the internet mm-hmm. um, or even taxation to a large degree. They've grown up in this period where it's like a capitalist wild west.
1: Amazon's rise as former retail stalwarts like Sears, Toys R Us, and Barnes & Noble Struggle has drawn critics concerned about its monopoly power, its tax and labor practices, even its responsibility for driving up housing costs in its hometown, Seattle. <laughs> when the firm announced last year it would build another major campus in North America, local officials scrambled to win the firm's commitment, even as protesters, angry about the prospect of tax incentives going to one of the world's most successful companies, mounted anti-Amazon campaigns. In the face of those critics... Mr. Bezos has started to cultivate a more public presence on Twitter, where he shares photos of his parents and videos of dog sledding in Norway.
0: The royal family is just like you and me. Please man. don't cut my head
1: off. Yeah, <laughs> That's what he's saying. Amazon has also fought back with cash, more than doubling its spending on lobbying since 2014 to about $13 million last year, according to Open Secrets. That's so that, pretty low. But yeah, but there you go, to, to our previous point. They're now getting ready to uh, make it happen in government with yeah. money. With a fortune worth about $150 billion, the 54-year-old Mr. Bezos has also faced questions about his relatively limited philanthropic activity. He recently hinted he will increase his giving with an announcement expected later this summer. And then it shows this tweet that he, he posted in June that says, A year ago tomorrow, I tweeted asking for phil- philanthropy ideas and thoughts. The response was inspiring. Thoughtful. I have no,
0: I have no inner life. Uh, I have no uh, thoughts within my own head. I couldn't, I can't figure out a single. I can't look around at the world and figure out a single way to uh, that uh, my billions of dollars could change it for the better. No, uh, not being a human, being. I needed to like tease this out. Is really the <laughs> yeah? You know, he made it a sweepstakes or something.
1: Yeah, like, well, this is part of his mythmaking too. I yeah. Think. I wanted to take this opportunity to let those of you who had made suggestions know that I've settled on two areas that I'm very excited about, and that I'll announce the two areas before the end of this summer, if I'm lucky, and may be able to announce some hiring then, too. Until then, hashtag thank you. Oh,
0: so, so, are we, like, taking, are there odds on what he's going to go with?
1: There probably are somewhere.
0: The funniest thing would it be if he comes back and says, like, like, Blue Origin is a charity, because I'm gonna save human race by transporting them to other
1: planets. I'm, at, I'm about 50-50 on that. I could see him doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: trying to spin that some way, but uh-huh. like, okay, if he's really serious about spending, oh, a billion dollars, I don't know, it's gotta be something, this is gonna be something that's been, like, been, like, tested by, like, PR firms, been polled by, like, manicured, you know, something everybody, like, super virtuous... I mean, does it end up having to be like fighting homelessness? Is that like the moral of all this for them is like, well, if you just leave us alone, that's, that's going to be the coup de grace. They come back and, and they do build like public housing in every city in America or Amazon housing, I should say
1: in every city in America. Can, like that, that. That is so humiliating.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. I mean, it, it would be a positive thing if they did, but for Seattle, I can't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's almost nothing it's, I can I, imagine I, more that, humiliating
0: yeah yeah no seriously like that and that would reinforce our sort of thesis about it not being about the money um that would be like an i mean that's fucking machiavellian man that's like (laughs) that's like come back like fight it and fight it and come back and just do it but again on his terms as the king Uh you know like that would be incredible if like they're buying up land right now, and, like, they're going to start construction. Or some of those buildings that are going up right now are secretly for, for like, low-income housing, operated by Amazon. And they're going to bring people off the street and give them, like, Amazon Go script. That they can, you <laughs> know, Bezos bucks. Yeah, Bezo- Bezos bucks, of mm-hmm. course, yeah. That would be amazing. That would, like, that would fucking rule. That would be, I would even be, like... Just uh, just the sheer, like...
1: <laughs> it's so brazen.
0: Like, Yeah, well, that would be incredible. To say it would like, ruin America, I don't know. He's obviously long gone as a concept. Uh, America's mm-hmm. always pretty much sucked, um, and it's even worse now. He could be president after that. I don't know why he'd want to be it's smarter to just stay out of it. If he did something like that, I mean, what's he doing? I mean, what's he doing with his money? Like, he's got to think, if he's taking this long, like... Well, he's the Gates Foundation 10, was about, like, the amount of money, right? It was like, this is how much money. We've got all this money. We're going to put it, and we're going to find the smartest technocratic solution. we will get the experts on. We're going to find all these targeted ways, a million different. There's like a hundred different things that they're doing that they're like, we're going to find these targeted ways for the best bang for the buck, right. right? Yeah. But the smarter move is probably to do something that makes a fucking statement. Uh, this is a, a play out of Carnegie's book. He did a lot of stuff too, but like he did a handful of things that are very visible. It's famously to this day, the library. Right. He invented the public library by building private libraries everywhere in America.
1: Well, Amazon local bookstores, maybe. That's what
0: he'll do, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> that. He will reinvent, he will innovate, disrupt the public library.
0: Holy shit. No, wait a minute. That could be it, dude. Like, that could be um, that article in. Um, was it in Bloomberg? Forbes. Oh, it was Forbes, right. That guy about replacing public libraries with Amazon bookstores uh, was amazing and awesome. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what he's doing. I don't know.
1: So, the only clue we get is the conclusion of this, ple- this piece, which is Last year, while soliciting ideas, Mr. Bezos said he expected to approach philanthropy differently than he does his businesses. Focusing on immediate impact rather than the long term, the world will be waiting to see if the new strategy still means success. So that that I'm I mean, inspired that could be an interesting clue, though, as to what he pursues
0: Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I I'm not. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna stick with this theory that he is going to solve homelessness in America. Not just see yeah, that like start here, but like solve homelessness in America, like low income housing for everybody, and that's a fix capitalism. You know, <laughs> that's the win. Ultimately, like, what else is he gonna do with all that fucking money? Like, right. At this point, it is just about that power. It's like he could, he'd be, people would be saying, you know, talking about him for hundreds of years. Like, yeah, and. All hope for our democracy would probably be lost. I don't know. I don't know that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with that. Um, we're going to actually, in the end, just be saved by billionaires and all this shit. I talk about, uh, like, you know, progressive taxation and you know, it's in, in a way, it's a charity is sort of address. You know, philanthropy addresses can potentially address material concerns, and if. They can do an end run around those those concerns, like the material concerns of human beings. Then the, they'll they'll be kings on Earth forever. Great news, everyone. Yeah, that is some bleach right? There. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, it won't be so bleached if he really does not It's real. It's not just like PR bullshit that is stupid. If he did, he could. I mean, he has enough money to seriously yeah, no, go fucking nuts. You're, you're right about that. Um, you know, and hey, that could be good for the lives of a bunch of people. If he did that, I'm talking like really, really do it. Well, uh, that article was uh, obsequious and pathetic. They just want to smell like billionaire farts, you
1: know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like you said. They just they love a winner. America loves a winner. Yeah. I think that's the moral
0: of of our story. Mm -hmm. America loves a winner. Great. Okay, well, all you winners out there, uh, keep on winning. Yeah. Or if you can't win, at least witness someone else winning.
1: Yeah, that's important. That's
0: really be
1: winning adjacent.
0: Yes, and really, as as Americans as Seattleites, exactly. we all are. We are so truly,
1: uh, yeah. All right. So yeah. So make sure to follow us on Twitter so you can see what kind of animus and fights we stir up with local writers. Um, we're at Seattle Sucks Pod.
0: Um, if, this- so- if somehow you haven't listened to our talk with Daeshik Kim Hawkins Jr., that's the previous episode. Check yeah. that shit out. Yeah, please do that. He's a cool guy. Um, we do. We do have a Patreon because uh, mm-hmm. why not? I mean, yeah. people demanded it. People wanted to give us a ton of money, so we were just like, sure, why not?
1: Well, they wanted to push us into the. The billionaire class. Yeah, well.
0: they wanted you know to win vicariously through us, mm-hmm. um, which I, I can deal. I can deal with that. So
1: winning is winning.
0: Seattle hates. Seattle hates a Seattle. Seattle loves a winner. <laughs> and with that, uh, yeah, yeah. Goodbye, yeah. everyone. Yep. Goodbye, Goodbye. Colin. Goodbye.